Section 10 of The Little Angel and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Little Angel and Other Stories by Leonid Nikolaevich Andreev. Translated by W. H. Lowe. Silence. Parts 1 and 2. Part 1. On a moonlight night in May, when the nightingales were singing, his wife came to Father Ignati, who was sitting in his study. Her face was expressive of suffering, and the small lamp trembled in her hand. She came up to her husband, touched him on the shoulder, and said, sobbing, Father, let us go to Verochka. Without turning his head, Father Ignati frowned at his wife over his spectacles, and looked long and fixedly until she made a motion of discomfort with her free hand and sat down on a low divan how pitiless you both are said she slowly and with a strong emphasis on the word both and her kindly puffed face was contorted with a look of pain and hardness as though she wished to express by her looks how hard people were her husband and her daughter father ignati gave a laugh and stood up Closing his book, he took off his spectacles, put them into their case, and fell into a brown study. His big black beard, shot with silver threads, lay in a graceful curve upon his chest, and rose and fell slowly under his deep breathing. "'Well, then, we will go,' said he. Olga Stepanovna rose quickly, and asked a timid, ingratiating voice, only don't scold her father you know what she is vera's room was in a belvedere at the top of the house and the narrow wooden stairs bent and groaned under the heavy steps of father ignati tall and ponderous he was obliged to stoop so as not to hit his head against the ceiling above and he frowned fastidiously when his wife's white jacket touched his face he knew that nothing would come of their conversation with vera what is that you asked vera lifting one bare arm to her eyes the other arm lay on top of the white summer counterpane from which it was scarcely distinguishable so white transparent and cold was it verochka the mother began but gave a sob and was silent vera said the father endeavoring to soften his dry hard voice vera tell us what is the matter with you vera was silent vera are your mother and i undeserving of your confidence do we not love you have you any one nearer to you than ourselves speak to us of your grief and believe me an old and experienced man you will feel the better for it and so shall we look at your old mother how she is suffering verochka and to me his voice trembled as though something in it had broken in two and to me is it easy thank you as though i did not see that you were devoured by some grief but what is it and i your father am kept in ignorance is it right vera still kept silence father ignati stroked his beard with special precaution as though he feared that his fingers would involuntarily begin to tear it and continued against my wishes you went to st petersburg did i curse you for your disobedience or did i refuse you money or do you say i was not kind well why don't you speak 
See the good your St. Petersburg has done you. Father Ignati ceased speaking, and there rose before his mind's eye something big, granite-built, terrible, full of unknown dangers and of strange, callous people, and there alone and weak was his Vera, and there she had been ruined. An angry hatred of that terrible, incomprehensible city arose in Father Ignati's soul, together with anger towards his daughter who kept silent, so obstinately silent. St. Petersburg has nothing to do with it, said Vera crossly, and closed her eyes. But there is nothing the matter with me. You had better go to bed. It's late. Verochka, groaned her mother, my little daughter confide in me. Oh, mamma, said Vera, impatiently interrupting her. Father Ignati sat down in a chair and began to laugh. Well, then, nothing is the matter after all he said ironically. Father, said Vera in a sharp voice, raising herself up on her bed, you know that I love you and Mama, but I do feel so dull. All this will pass away, really. You had better go to bed. I want to sleep too. Tomorrow or sometime we will have a talk. Father Ignati rose abruptly so that his chair bumped against the wall and took his wife's arm. Let's go. Verochka, let's go, I tell you, cried Father Ignati. If she has forgotten God, shall we too? Why should we? He drew Olga Stepanovna away, almost by main force, and as they were descending the stairs, she, dragging her steps more slowly, said in an angry whisper, Oh, Pope, it's you who have made her so. It's from you that she got this manner and you'll have to answer for it. Ah, how wretched I am! And she began to cry, and kept blinking her eyes so that she could not see the steps, and letting her feet go down as if it were into an abyss below into which she wished to precipitate herself. From that day forward, Father Ignati ceased to talk to his daughter, and she seemed not to notice the change. As before, she would now lie in her bed, now go about, frequently wiping her eyes with the palms of her hands, as though they were obstructed. And oppressed by the silence of these two people, the Pope's wife, who was fond of jokes and laughter, became lost and timid, hardly knowing what to say or do. Sometimes Vera went out for a walk. About a week after the conversation related above, she went out in the evening as usual. They never saw her again alive for that evening she threw herself under a train, which cut her in two. Father Ignati buried her himself. His wife was not present at the church, because at the news of Vera's death she had had a stroke. She had lost the use of her feet and hands and tongue, and lay motionless in a semi-darkened room, while close by her the bells tolled in the belfry. She heard them all coming out of the church, heard the choristers singing before their house, and tried to raise her hand to cross herself, but the hand would not obey her will. She wished to say good-bye, Vera, but her tongue lay inert in her mouth, swollen and heavy. She lay so still that any one who saw her would have thought she was resting or asleep, only her eyes were open. 
there were many people in the church at the funeral both acquaintances of father ignatius and strangers all present compassioned vera who had died such a terrible death and they tried in father ignatius movements and voice to find signs of profound grief they were not fond of father ignati because he was rough and haughty in his manners harsh and unforgiving with his penitence while himself jealous and greedy he availed himself of every chance to take more than his dues from a parishioner they all wished to see him suffering broken down they wished to see him acknowledge that he was doubly guilty of his daughter's death as a harsh father and as a bad priest who could not protect his own flesh and blood from sin so they all watched him with curiosity but he feeling their eyes directed on his broad powerful back endeavored to straighten it and thought not so much of his dead daughter as of not compromising his dignity a well-seasoned pope karzanov the carpenter to whom he still owed money for some frames said with a nod in his direction and so firm and upright father ignati went to the cemetery and came back the same and not till he reached the door of his wife's room did his back bend a little but that might have been because the door was not high enough for his stature coming in from the light he could only with difficulty distinguish his wife's face and when he succeeded in so doing he perceived that it was perfectly still and that there were no tears in her eyes in them was there neither anger nor grief they were dumb and painfully obstinately silent as was also her whole obese feeble body that was pressed against the bed-rail well what how are you feeling father ignati inquired but her lips were dumb and her eyes were silent father ignati laid his hand on her forehead it was cold and damp and olga stepanovna gave no sign whatever that she had felt his touch and when he removed his hands from her forehead two deep gray eyes looked at him without blinking they seemed almost black on account of the dilation of the pupils and in them was neither grief nor anger well i will go to my own room said father ignati who had turned cold and frightened he went through the guest chamber where everything was clean and orderly as ever and the high-backed chairs stood swathed in white covers like corpses in their shrouds at one of the windows hung a wire cage but it was empty and the door was open nastasia father ignati called and his voice seemed to him rough and he felt awkward that he had called so loud in those quiet rooms so soon after the funeral of their daughter nastasia he called more gently where's the canary the cook who had cried so much that her nose was swollen and become as red as a beet answered rudely don't know it flew away why did you let it go said father ignati angrily knitting his brow nastasia burst out crying and wiping her eyes with the ends of a print handkerchief she wore over her head said through her tears the dear little soul of the young mistress how could i keep it and it seemed even to father ignati that the happy little yellow canary which used to sing always with its head thrown back was really the soul of vera and that if it had not flown away it would have been impossible to say that vera was dead 
and he became still more angry with the cook and he shouted get along and when nastasia did not at once make for the door added fool part two from the day of the funeral silence reigned in the little house it was not stillness for that is the mere absence of noise but it was silence which means that those who kept silence could apparently have spoken if they had pleased so thought father ignati when entering his wife's chamber he would meet an obstinate glance so heavy that it was as though the whole air were turned to lead and was pressing on his head and back so he thought when he examined his daughter's music on which her very voice was impressed her books and her portrait a large one painted in colors which she had brought with her from st petersburg in examining her portrait a certain order was evolved first he would look at her neck on which the light was thrown in the portrait and would imagine to himself a scratch on it such as was on the neck of the dead vera and the origin of which he could not understand and every time he meditated on the cause if it had been the train which struck it it would have shattered her whole head and the head of the dead vera was quite uninjured could it be that some one had touched it with his foot when carrying home the corpse or was it done unintentionally with the nail but to think long about the details of her death was horrible to father ignati so he would pass on to the eyes of the portrait they were black and beautiful with long eyelashes the thick shadow of which lay below so that the whites seemed peculiarly bright and the two eyes were as though enclosed in black mourning frames the unknown artist a man of talent had given to them a strange expression it was as though between the eyes and that on which they rested there was a thin transparent film it reminded one of the black top of a grand piano on which the summer dust lay in a thin layer almost imperceptible but still dimming the brightness of the polished wood and wherever father ignati placed the portrait the eyes continually followed him not speaking but silent and the silence was so clear that it seemed possible to hear it and by degrees father ignati came to think that he did hear the silence every morning after the eucharist father ignati would go to the sitting-room would take in at a glance the empty cage and all the well-known arrangement of the room sit down in an armchair close his eyes and listen to the silence of the house it was something strange the cage was gently and tenderly silent and grief and tears and far-away dead laughter were felt in that silence the silence of his wife softened by the intervening walls was obstinate heavy as lead and terrible so terrible that father ignati turned cold in the hottest day endless cold as the grave mysterious as death was the silence of his daughter it was as though the silence were a torture to itself and as though it longed passionately to pass into speech but that something strong and dull as a machine held it motionless and stretched it like a wire and then somewhere in the far distance the wire began to vibrate and emit a soft timid pitiful sound father ignati with a mixture of joy and fear would catch this incipient sound and pressing his hands on the arms of the chair would stretch his head forward and wait 
for the sound to reach him, but it would break off and lapse into silence. Nonsense! Father Ignati would angrily exclaim, and rise from the chair, tall and upright as ever. From the window was to be seen the marketplace, bathed in sunlight, paved with round, even stones, and on the other side the stone wall of a long, windowless storehouse. At the corner stood a cab like a statue in clay, and it was incomprehensible why it continued to stand there, when for whole hours together not a single passer-by was to be seen. End of section 10 Recorded by Mary Schneider